Good morning. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 again this morning. And I realize we looked at the opening verses of that last week, but I'm going to read them again just to get our minds back into what he has to say in this passage. And I think this week everybody's got the right set of notes. <laughs> I got them mixed up last week and tried to correct it at the last minute, but I think we got it corrected this week. Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as there is also, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Several years ago, a book came out, and I haven't fully read the book. I don't necessarily endorse everything that was in the book. It was, it's written from a secular perspective, and that's fine. But I was intrigued by the title. It's entitled, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And have you seen it? And have you read it? Yeah. Uh, The author was attempting to reveal, I think, some of the differences between men and women. Not only are there physical differences, but uh, there are emotional differences. There's differences in in the way we think and so forth. And uh, uh, I I thought it was an excellent starting point there with, with that particular title there. Uh, we, we recognize the differences today. That's the way God created us. Back in the beginning of time, God created Adam, and then he said, I will create a helper for him, not another Adam. He didn't need two Adams. He already had an Adam. He, he needed Eve, and they, uh, she was created in a different way for a different purpose than, than Adam was. And yet the problem comes in when you read that passage back in Genesis that as Adam and Eve come together there, he makes that pronouncement, the two shall become one. Now, that's a tough assignment. Now, those of you that are married probably recognize that you've come from different backgrounds, you've come from different different ways of doing things. Men, have you ever wondered why your wife doesn't think like you do? <laughs> I, I, I won't pick on the, the, the women today, but uh, that's a tough assignment. Two become one, uh, join together for a common purpose there. Multiply that by the number of people that you have in a church, and you wonder how is it possible for us to have unity in a church? How is that a possibility today? Just take a look around the room for just a minute and see the diversity that's here. Uh, I I see some family resemblances, but I don't see any two individuals that actually look the same. We we have uh, different likes. We have different dislikes. We have different tastes. We have different preferences. uh, And yet God says we are to be one. We are joined together in a, a body here today. Not just the local church, but it's the universal church as well. What is it that unites the church of Jesus Christ? Paul gives us seven things here for us to consider. The, the first thing that unites us, he says, we are one body. 
That idea is expressed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he speaks of the fact that we have one body, many members. And not all members, he said, are the same. Now, we understand that from the, the physical body. Uh, that he, he goes on to say in that passage, the whole body is not the eye. If the whole body was the eye, where would the hearing be and so forth? Uh, so the, there, there is the differences there, and yet they're interconnected together there. You ever notice how when you hit your thumb with a hammer, it affects not just your thumb, it affects other parts of your, your body as as well. Uh, physical problems can create uh, emotional problems and so forth. Why? Because it's one body. It, it's all interconnected. It, it's all tied together some, somehow in, in a remarkable way. And the same thing is true in the church. We are interconnected with one another. Paul, or, or one of our poets, said... No man is an island, illustrating the fact that we are part of one another. We are part of a body. We need one, one another. Uh, our son, uh, when he was growing up, uh, uh, probably about kindergarten, we asked him what he wanted to do in life. He was going to be a hermit. <laughs> he was going to be a mountain man. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> There's nobody that needs people, I think, more than our son does. He thrives on that. But at that point in his life, he said, I'm just going to go out and live up on the mountain somewhere and get away from people. We can't do that. Scripture says when one suffers, we all suffer. We are connected together. We are joined together in one body. We're part of a larger body. The tragedy comes is when we let artificial barriers divide us when we let selfishness creep into our lives remember he said in the opening chapter opening part of this chapter that we walk in humility and gentleness showing forbearance to one another we're called to be a part of the body we are called to minister to to one another and and to set aside some of those selfish ambitions there and what do we miss when we cut ourselves off from the body of jesus christ we, it's good for us to, to wrestle with that, that thought. I know there are those that, that do that, but what do we miss? Because we are part of that body, and we, we need one another. He said we are one body. The second thing that unites us is one spirit here. We, we have one spirit. And notice it's capitalized. It's speaking, I believe, of the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within each of us today. He's the one that makes unity possible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, he says, By one spirit we're all baptized into one body. In Acts 1, 8, Jesus said, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit is come upon you there. It is the Holy Spirit that unites us together in the body of Jesus Christ. Years ago, I had an individual come to me at the wrong time of day. It was 10 o'clock at night. She called and said that she wanted to come over and visit. Now, my mind shuts off by about 10 o'clock at night. I'm not a night person. I'm a morning person. You want to have a good conversation, come early in the morning. That's the best time of day. And I realize some of you won't agree with that. Um, just illustrates the fact that we are different. Some of you are night people. Some of you are morning people. That, and that's okay. That's the way that God has made us. But she came late at night. And her concern was that uh, she said, Pastor, I'm concerned you don't have the Spirit of God. And 
I, I, I looked at her, and I don't know if I was very nice or not, but I said, what, you mean I'm not a Christian? She said, oh, no, I wouldn't go that far. She said, yeah, I, I believe you're a Christian, but you don't have the Spirit of God. And uh, I said, well, how can that be? It, it, because it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, if any man hath not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. And so I said, I, I need a little bit more information here. Why, why do you think I don't have the Spirit? Well, her reasoning was I wasn't speaking in tongues. And if I wasn't speaking in tongues, I didn't have the Spirit of God. And uh, I tried to put her straight on that, but I don't know if I made any progress or not. Uh, and I can excuse that on the fact that it was late at night. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I, I assured her that I, I had the Spirit of God doing in me. It wasn't manifested the way she thought it should be, but he, he was there. If we are a child of God, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, if you're a child of God, you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. Now, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here this morning, okay? If you are indwelt by the Spirit and your brother is a Christian or the person sitting next to you is guess what? They're indwelt by the Spirit of God, too. We, we don't always grant that to the other person, but uh, if, if we've been brought into the family of God, the Spirit of God dwells in us. We may see things differently. Uh, we may come from different backgrounds, maybe have different social status and so forth, but the Spirit of God dwells within each of us today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says in verse 16, do you not know that you are a temple? He's talking to the church here, a temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. And then he talks about individuals in chapter 6 there, in uh, verses 19 and 20, he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? who you have from God, and you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body there. So we individually and collectively indwelt by the, the Spirit of God today. The, the same Spirit that's dwelling in us dwells in that person that many times, if we're not careful, we have interpersonal conflicts with. We don't see eye to eye, so we're going to be against them there. It's interesting, in John chapter 13, Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my what? Disciples. How? By your love one for another. If we're not demonstrating that love toward one another, then something is wrong in our life and in our heart because the same spirit that dwells in us dwells in them. We have one spirit today. And then he says we have one hope. Uh, what is that hope? Uh, Titus chapter 2 reveals that hope for us. In verse 11, he speaks of the fact that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. In the next verse, he says it teaches us how to live today. And then he goes on to describe the fact that it's the blessed hope, the, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have the same prob promise in John chapter 14. Remember, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And in 1 Corinthians 4, talking to those who had passed away in the Lord, he said, we, we don't uh, sorrow as those that have no hope. Why? Because we believe Jesus Christ is coming again. and We're going to spend eternity with him. Now, we can disagree with the timing on that. Uh, my personal viewpoint is I believe Jesus Christ 
calls the church out before the tribulation. I know some of you want to go through the tribulation, and that's fine. That doesn't bother me at all. Uh, (laughs) If you want to go through the tribulation, go ahead. But uh, I I personally believe we're going to hear the trumpet call before that, and we're going to be home with Christ in, in glory there. But the fact of the matter is we all believe that we will spend eternity together with him. That's the hope that that he has today. He's coming again, and we will spend eternity with him. Someone has wisely said the person who recognizes the existence of one body, indwelt by one spirit, and is looking for the return of Jesus Christ, will be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Do we really believe we're one body? Do do we really believe that the Spirit of God dwells in each of us and and that we're going to spend eternity together with Jesus Christ? Then we should be seeking to be at peace with our brother and sister in Christ. We we should be seeking to uh, encourage and build up one another rather than be a, a troublemaker. And I guess the obvious question is, in light of the fact that he's coming again, which one are we? Are we the peacemaker or are we a troublemaker? Are, are we attacking our brother and sister in Christ, or, or are we seeking to, to minister to them in, in love? The fourth thing that unites us together is we have one Lord. That's the basis of our salvation, isn't it? Uh, in Romans chapter uh, 10, the very call to salvation there, he says in verse 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as what? As Lord. Have you done that? Is he your Lord today? Have you made that commitment as Lord? He goes on to say, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. We have one Lord today. And I want to emphasize he is Lord. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 speaks of the fact that the day is coming when every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We are aware of individuals today that don't believe that. But whether they acknowledge it or not, he is still Lord. He's still on the throne. He's still in control. He is still God today. A rather interesting verse comes out of Luke chapter 6, verse 46, where Jesus, speaking to his followers now, not not to the crowd, but to his followers, He said, why do you bother calling me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? If he is Lord, that implies we walk in obedience to him. We follow his commands. We do what he is calling us to do. Years ago, uh, when Gandhi was ruling in India, someone, a reporter, once asked him, what was the greatest hindrance to Christianity in the land of India? He replied with one simple word, Christians, Christians. They weren't living out their faith. They they weren't following the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I think it's good sometimes for us to stop and ask, are we really committed to the fact that he is Lord? He is our Lord today. We made that confession when we came and accepted him as our savior. Are we living in light of the fact that he is Lord? Are we following his commands? Are we following his principles today? Are we doing the things that he says? And then he said we have one faith today. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father but by me. Second Corinthians chapter 1 in verse 20 speaks to the fact that no scripture is of private interpretation. Uh, there, there are some areas that we may disagree on, but when it comes to the very fundamentals of the faith, we hold true to them if we are a child of, of God. No creed, no church is perfect, but the word of God is. And um, I, I think when I, when I think about that, we're going to all in for some surprises when we get to heaven. Uh, I, I think we just have to look forward to that fact. Well, uh, I, I like to think I have it all figured out here in, in this world, but God has some surprises, and, and pra- praise the Lord for that. But when it comes to the essential doctrines of the faith, they are non-negotiable. We are one fa- one faith today. The tragedy in our day and age is in First Timothy chapter four, where it says the Spirit says explicitly that in the latter days some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. There, we we see so many today departing from the basic tenements of the faith. We have one faith. We we need to hold to that faith today. Just a, a, a few illustrations from that, uh, sacrifices that are being made. We have, uh, in the emergent church today, we have those that teach that everyone's going to make it. Uh, love wins. Yeah, you heard of that book, Rob Bell? Uh, everybody's going to make it. And yet Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes. How? Except by me. Come any other way, and you're not going to make it. That, uh, And yet... So many churches are departing from that today, saying it doesn't really matter what you believe as, as long as you believe. Well, it, it makes a big difference today. I, I think of uh, it, it, it disturbs me more and more books that I read by, by Christian writers. They talk about the creation myth, not the creation story, but the creation myth. This is accepted in Christian circles today. Uh, I hate to say it, but if it was a myth... Then Jesus was deceived, and so was Paul. And, and there goes the foundation of our faith. It, 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 either it's true or it's not true. Uh, he didn't give it to us as, as a myth, I don't believe. He gave it to us as truth. Uh, another area is the area of marriage today. Many churches are redefining what constitutes marriage. Uh, it was, I thought it was very clear in the book of Genesis, but uh, we, we've, many are, are rewriting that today, and God would say to us, there's one faith. We need to come back to the fundamentals of that faith. We, we need to stand on, on that firm foundation that God has given to us in the word of God. And then he speaks of one baptism. And, and again, this is an area that we can disagree on. Uh, and yet the fact of the matter is there is one baptism. We've all been baptized in, in by the spirit into the body of Christ. I, I, I I realize there are many different forms of baptism today. I personally was baptized twice. Uh, the, the first time I was uh, about three years of age. Why? Uh, my parents waited till I was about three to have me sprinkled as a, as a little child. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't even know why they did it. They weren't even going to church at the time, but they felt this was important. Um, uh, the reason... I, I go back to that is I, I remember that experience. That's probably my earliest memory. I, I had two older brothers at the time, and uh, they teased me unmercifully about what was going to happen in that baptism. They, they were going to, this man was going to come along and dump a bucket of water over my head and, and, and the whole works. 
And I was scared to death by the time I got there. Uh, but uh, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I didn't know any different. Uh, I, I had even forgotten about, by that time about that baptism. That Shortly after I accepted Christ, the pastor spoke with me and he said, you know, one of the first steps that God requires of us as a child of God is to be baptized. Would you like to be baptized? And I said, well, if that's what God requires, that, that's fine. And uh, I was baptized with my brother and my, my mother at the same time there and several other people. But um, So I went through it twice. Uh, I, I remember when I, we first went to South Dakota, I had two churches. One was uh, Evangelical Free Church. The other was uh, came out of the Reformed background, and they were in the process of becoming an Evangelical Free Church. And that was one of the big issues that they wrestled with. Do we have to be rebaptized? Because uh, they had all been baptized as infants in, in, in their church. And uh, my advice to them was, you do whatever the Spirit of God lays on your heart. If, if he at if you feel that you need to be rebaptized, that's fine. I'll, we'll go ahead and do it. If, if you feel that you don't need that, that that's okay with me. I, we're, we, we didn't make an issue of that at, at that point in time. But here I think he's not referring to water baptism so much as he's referring to 1 Corinthians 12. We've already quoted that, verse 13. By one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Remember John the Baptist, and as Christ came to be baptized, uh, he was he revealed in John one thirty three the fact that the day was coming when Jesus would baptize us in or through the Holy Spirit. We'd be brought into the body of Christ through the baptism of the Holy Spirit there. And that's the picture uh, that, that he has for us here when he speaks of the fact we have one baptism. We've been brought into the body of Christ now. And that has happened. I, I believe that happens the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're, we're made part of the body. We're brought into the body of Jesus Christ. And then he sums it up in verse 6. He says, There is one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. That sums it up for us. In, in Acts chapter 17, Paul on Mars Hill preaching there spoke of the fact that God is the Father of all mankind. Now, in, in a deeper sense, in the Lord's Prayer, we are to pray, our Father who art in heaven. He is our Father today. If we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are part of the family of God. And with that goes all of the rights and all of the privileges of a family member. We're not second-class citizens. We're, we're, we're brought into the family of Jesus Christ. And because we share these seven things, verse 3 goes on to there, we are to be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He doesn't ask us to do it alone. It's because of who we are. It's because of what we share in common that we can have that, that bond of peace in, in the body of Jesus Christ. Again, sometimes I think we need to pray, Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see not just what you're doing in our life, but what you're doing in our brother or sister's life and how you have come into their life and how you're working in them. We need to remember the truth of John 13. It says, by your love one for another, they'll know you are my disciples. He has placed that within our hearts. Years ago, there was an article in the National Geographic magazine. It was a photograph of the fossil remains of two 
saber-toothed tigers that were locked in mortal combat. They had uh, eventually been fossilized. One of them had bitten deep into the leg bone of the other, a thrust that trapped both of them in a common fate. It couldn't release its its grip. the, The teeth would not come out of that bone, and so both of them died, locked in mortal combat. It says that the cause of death as was as clear as the extinction of other species. And the writer goes on to say, when Christians fight each other, everybody loses. We are called to love one another, not fight one another. Our brother or sister in Christ is not our enemy. Our, we'll see our enemy as we get into chapter 6 there. But uh, what are we doing today to promote unity in the body of Jesus Christ? What and the opposite of that is, what are we doing to promote selfish interests today? Uh, and perhaps the ultimate question is, who is really our Lord? Who are we following and who are we serving? Someone wrote these words, and I don't know what the source of them was, but I just thought they were good, so I copied them down. It says, to live above with saints we love, that will be glory. But to live below with saints we know, now that's a different story. Uh, you ever find that true? It, it, uh, I, I go back to the illustration of marriage. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Uh, did you ever find sometimes it's difficult to live with that partner? They just don't think the same way you think. They, they just don't do things the same way. Uh, uh, and yet God says two shall be one there. As I think of the marriage illustration, I think of the fact that what Adam said so many, or what Jesus actually said in Matthew 19, what God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. I think the same thing is true of the church. What God has joined together, we need to be aware of creating a division based on selfish interests. If we operate from a selfish principle and seek to destroy the body of Jesus Christ or destroy our brother and sister, guess what? God said in 1 Corinthians 6, if you destroy the body, I will destroy you. That's a serious, sober warning there. We are called to unity. We are called to demonstrate to the world around us what God is able to do in hearts and lives that are surrendered to him, that are surrendered to his lordship. And so the obvious question that we have to wrestle with is, first of all, who is Lord in our lives? And then are we following his principles? Are we following his commands? Are are we doing what he has asked us to do? Or are we seeking to destroy the temple of God? We are called to unity in Christ because we are one in him. Let's live that out to the glory of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the many things that you've said here that unite us together in Jesus Christ. I think of that song. They'll know we are Christians. How? By our love, one for another. I pray that Chawila would have the opportunity of getting a glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ by our love for one another this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to sing that song. I missed that, didn't I? I apologize, Gretchen. I am sorry. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry.
I, I knew it was in the bulletin, but uh, okay, we'll do the special, and then we'll move into the. Okay, all right, that that that's fine with me. Uh, I'm easy to get along with. 